This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review the self-titled album by I Love You. Maybe it's my imagination, but it just seems like it got funkier and funkier and funkier as the song would evolve. You gotta, if you're gonna do that, I think you need to have a personality. Waka waka. A little confused, a little bewildered. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me once again, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, we are in episode 125 of season three, and we have a requested review. Requested, requested review. review. Uh, this one is a uh, obscure one for me, Jay. Is it an obscure one for you? I'm talking about I Love You. And yeah. That's the name of the band. Yeah. Uh, I Love You are, Too. I, yeah. That's the name of their second album. Love uh, You Too. Oh. No, I wish. Is it really? No, it's not. They should have named it that. So this was suggested by Peter Hirsch. Uh, he sent us an email, suggested this band for us to check out, and uh, we said okay. So neither of us were, were familiar with this band, this album. This wasn't even one of those where I was like, yeah, I kind of saw the album cover one time and wanted to check them out. No, no idea of their existence whatsoever. And I believe you're in the same boat as me, correct? Yep. So uh, I'm going to mention that for the history of the band, this is the shortest history of the band ever. It's three sentences. So let's do it. History of the band. Bump, bump, bump. History of the band. Formed in 1989 in Florida, somewhere, by Christopher Palmer on vocals, Jeff Nolan on guitars, Mike Kostler on bass, and Tom Sweet on drums. They released their first self-titled album, which we're reviewing, on DGC in 1991, and followed it up with their second album, All of Us, in 1994. And that is the history of the band, which took approximately 20 seconds. Now, if you want to suggest a album or an album would be the correct uh, grammar there, an album for us to review, visit our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. Jay, we did not get any Facebook feedback. Like most people, we were stumped when this album came across our email account. Right. So, easy one, Jay. Do you love I Love You? Uh, I do not. So, this is a, it's a curious band. Uh, it's a curious band indeed. Yeah. So, I think the thing that's weird here is that uh, if you listen to the first, uh, let's say, 30 seconds of each song, they sound like one band. If you skip to the next, you know, 30 seconds or skip to the end of the song, they always sound like a different band and it's a consistent formula it seems to be on every song so the first 30 seconds usually sounds like um a hard rock band you mm-hmm. know, it, some of the songs like love is and um is it fuzz the world they have you know guns and roses style guitar riffs you know so you, like okay well this is where we're going with this
and then it'll sort of introduce another riff or an accent part that kind of gets a little like almost funky sounding mm-hmm. like it gets busier or changes and then it continues down that road of like it seems like as the song evolves i don't it, maybe it's my imagination but it just seems like it got funkier and funkier and funkier as the song would evolve and um a couple of them in the case of um she's the one in jesus like they just have like funk jams at the end i mean they're not full-on funk but they're like this um i guess in the way that jane's addiction mm-hmm. kind of infused funk into their music half funk yeah it's like there's something about you know the the, the busyness of the drums and the you know there's some uh palm muted fast drum guitar stuff that's kind of you know wah wah walkie walkie kind of sounding guitar stuff waka waka uh, waka 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 which makes me think you know, since we don't have much history of the band here that we can only we can only guess, I guess. You know, this record came out in ninety ninety one, right? Mm-hmm. Ninety one. And they were in LA? Florida. At that time. But they moved didn't they move to LA? I have no idea. I think they did. And um I think um you know, Jane's addiction at the late eighties, you know, kind of became a big influence on a lot of bands, a lot of musicians, because they were just so different. And I just, I wonder if this band was, you know, just maybe heavily influenced by that, by them and that whole scene that was going on in LA, or even if they didn't live in LA, just kind of influenced by them and trying to figure out like how to take, you know, maybe their roots are, it sounds like, you know, with the origins, a lot of these songs, you know, they're a hard, they're, they're a hard rock song, but then uh, they were trying to infuse you know, maybe some of this influence of what Jane's addiction was doing with infusing some funk elements in there. Um, it just comes across as like, I don't know, not cohesive and not, it's a little schizophrenic to me. Um, the singer sounds a hell of a lot like Andrew Wood. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, I, I heard some connections to like malfunction and yeah, that end of the funk rock metal end of it but yeah go ahead yeah so i mean i kind of dug that because he just kept reminding me of andrew wood um you know so there's some you know tonally his voice is interesting um you know he falls a lot in the trap of following the, the, the guitar melody you know the guitar chord structure um which gets kind of you know boring yeah um the guitar player is, is phenomenal like great guitar player um Unfortunately, it's like it reminded me of the Walt Mink record. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you look at like track one, "Hang Straight Up," I, I mean, I feel like there's a thousand riffs in that song. You know, it's just like starts with one riff and then they shift to another riff and then there's another pre-chorus riff and then another riff right before the chorus and then the chorus riff and then it's just like holy shit, this is like a cut and paste of all the different riffs this guy's written in this key all put together, and then there's just <laughs> somebody singing over top of it. It's like.
there's not a lot and I, I didn't hear a lot here in terms of song like really solid songwriting I heard some pretty cool parts uh, they tended to be like the intros um, but they would quickly devolve into kind of a mess and you know a, a couple things stood out in terms of being outside of that um, you know there's a couple songs like The Lamb and I think maybe Swing no The Lamb which is kind of a acoustic and it kind of has like a stomp to it and, i wrote acoustic stomp yeah yeah at the beginning and it's it's kind of cool like a you know an interesting album track but again it kind of goes into these other parts that don't work as well and just wish it was could have just been simpler i think in the case of a lot of these songs they could have been simpler and been a lot better um i think they kind of play them to death and it comes across with the funk stuff which i'm always polarized by I think at the end of the day, even if they had the funk elements, wouldn't bother me as much if the songs were just, um, just kind of overplayed, you know, overthought. I don't know where where are you at on this? Yeah, there's a lot going on on this record, and it's it kind of disappointed me because the first like 20 seconds of "Hang Straight Up," I was like, "Ooh, this guitar riff sounds like TVI by the Stooges. Like this is really cool," mm-hmm. and then it starts with the funk fabulous thunderbird chords and i'm like (laughs) what's going on here and and you know even that song that song has like a pop chorus with a harmony and it's it's probably the best song in the record for me um i did like track four which is two is the name of the song because it starts Mm -hmm. out with his acoustic guitar it builds gets more mid-tempo starts rocking and then there's this like I guess you'd say heavy, like groove rock ending to that song, but it doesn't get too funky. Whereas they do move into like the funk section of uh, a lot of these songs pretty quickly. trying to like figure out okay is this was this were they trying to do like sort of what the, the black crows were doing you know because the crows would sort of do some of that jangly uh i don't even know what the what the chord actually is but it's i can i can hear the chord in my head what you know the the, the fingering of the chord that creates that sort of like funk sound to it yeah. and you know the crows would do that if you listen to like from the first album to pretty much until they started getting a little mellow towards the end, but like up to like three snakes and a charm, 
Like they're doing a lot of, or even lions, they're doing a lot of that. Like on the up tempo songs, where there'd be some bluesy, funkish riffing going on. Here, I think the issue is just like you said. There's just like so many riffs in these songs, and it's like, what's which part am I in, and where's, like, where is the vocal fitting into this? Because he is just sort of singing along with a lot of the riffs. That's it's sort of disappointing. You gotta if you're gonna do that, I think you need to have a personality, which mm-hmm. he doesn't have as much. Whereas if Andrew Wood does that, he's still got the personality and he's still got the chops to yeah. in, in terms of both the vocals and his songwriting to be able to come he up could, with interesting stuff. Yeah, he could kind of do the riff, kind of vocal riff ideas at times to make things spice it right. up a little bit. And that's and what this is sort of missing is like using the vocal as an instrument and riffing as a vocal and not just you know singing in between the spaces of the of where the parts are um you know like like i always say like david coverdale on like still in the night that's his vocals another guitar yeah absolutely and this band could use some of that for sure uh now you know i think you brought up hang straight up and in the chorus i guess what's the chorus in that song there's a very melodic part in that song (laughs) unfortunately there's there's the riff at the beginning which we both like and then there's this really cool melodic part, I guess, is the chorus or the pre-chord. But unfortunately, there's this minute in between the two. Yeah. Where you're like, uh, what? <laughs> like, can we just trim that up and, you know, just just make it a little bit more concise and get to the parts that are good and get rid of the, you know, the wandering endings and the just the overindulgent playing. Um, and boy, this album is not helped by the production. Um the drum sound is, I think, I, I never, I don't, I don't usually complain about a kick drum being too loud, but man, this kick drum drums too. Yeah, <laughs> and he, and it also sort of, uh, it impacts some of the songs. Like on "Love Is," there is something dragging in the rhythm section, and I, th- I think it's the kick drum being so loud that I'm, yeah. I'm like drawn to the kick and the snare in the verses because it feels like they're dragging. They're, you know, you say playing a. a you know, behind or ahead of the beat, they feel like they're actually slowing the whole thing down because yeah. it's just the way he's playing it. I just, I did not like the way I, I'm not often caught off guard by the rhythm section and the drums in terms yeah. of their playing. I mean, you're much more in tune with that, but that really started to bother me. And then it made me start paying attention to what he was doing on the drums, yeah. which was not necessarily in, in my wheelhouse of drumming. Well, they're so loud you can't yeah. ignore them i mean geez <laughs> there's no there's some records where you know the drumming can be you know not great and you won't notice it because it's not about that and it's not what's presented in the mix but man this band is putting that kick drum right up in your face and it's got the uh you know if, if you're if you're a garage band user or any user of recording you know kind of just generic recording software but it's got the uh the reverb setting that says like stadium I think that's the the setting they used on the drums on this record because they sound like they're all like super echoed out, you know, to the point where it's just, it doesn't, the music doesn't meld together very well. It's all very separate. Like you can hear everybody individually, you know, it doesn't ever, it rarely kind of melts together into one thing. And it just, it's a weird sound. It's not, um, 
it's very much of the time. I mean, it sounds like early 90s production. It's just for this band, you know, it's not the right, I don't think it's the right sound to present this type of music. You know, you mentioned the Black Crows. You know, I think the sound, they, they think a lot about the sound of that band, what their instruments sound like and how they sound together. And, you know, it's very much got a vintage tone and it comes across in the songs and it all makes sense. And I think that's one of the problems with this band is the way they're just sonically presenting this material. It's kind of a a clash. It's like a hard rock metal production, but a band that's trying to do like, I don't know, like a funky uh, funk infused you know classic rock kind of thing it's almost like in i hate to bring up 80s metal but it has like a groove 80s metal sound to it yeah it's like this is almost like i I don't know you're more i'm good with the power ballads jay but (laughs) that's your thing that's my thing well in terms of the actual up-tempo groove metal bands yeah, is there anybody that this reminded you of? Because I was like, man, this really sounds like it could be like an extreme song or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I I I did mean to bring this up from the beginning. So there, there's a record that I thought of a lot when I listened to this, and it came out the same year. Now, just hear me out. Okay. Um, are you familiar with the band Bang Tango? As a matter of fact, I am. Okay, their second record. It's called Dancing on Coals. Of course. And it's produced very similar to this, and it also features their foray into trying to incorporate, I think, the Jane's Addiction funk rock thing. I think they pull it off a little better because they don't lose completely, uh, lose themselves in it. And Mm -hmm. And the singer's a little bit more inventive, I guess. Um, but I do think there's a lot of similarities between the sounds of these two records and what some of the maybe direction is. Um, I think these guys are coming from a little bit more like, you know, Stooges, you know, maybe even Southern rock or, you know, roots rocky kind of basis. And obviously bank Tango's coming from more of a commercial art rock, you know, pop rock metal kind of thing. But they're both, I think, looking at the same kind of influences and trying to incorporate that. And then they both suffer from trying to incorporate that in the context of early nineties, you know, hard rock music production. (laughs) So they, they end up kind of sounding very similar to me. So that album's on Spotify. If you, uh, you give it a listen and see if I'm nuts. Bang tango people dancing (laughs) on coals. Go check it out. Uh, yeah, and I think part of the problem with this is I just don't know what they're going for. You know, if you would just if you just throw malfunction in front of somebody, it's probably going to be confusing. Mm. When you get the visual of Andy Wood and what they were doing, it it actually makes more sense, and you go, "Oh, okay, I get it." I wish I had some sort of visual component to this band because there's nothing mm. in the album uh, cover that that gives that away. It's just sort of your typical like early '90s album, alternative '90s album. What is it? I could barely make it out. It's like a chair or something. It's a chair, and there's some stuff on it. I don't know what it is exactly. I'm looking at my iTunes. Maybe like a kid sitting on a throne or something. Perhaps. 
But this could, looking at that, that could easily as as easily be a, you know, like a Norwegian death metal album, or uh, an Andy DeFranco album. <laughs> like there's yeah, there's yeah, nothing yeah. that gives me an idea of what this band is about. No, it could be a White Snake album. It could be a Dave Matthews album. It could be right. You know, it could be a, a cover for season four of uh, Game of Thrones. It could be, right. <laughs> I mean, the possibilities are endless here. Right. There's really, there's nothing you could tell. It could be a be the Hobbit Stevenson sequel. Book. Right. Um, so, th- so part of my confusion is I don't, I don't know what they were going for. You try to Google, I love you. You ain't finding much. Well, I, I did find one article from 90, the early nineties that I think was for this band. And I, that's why I think, I must have read that they were in LA. Aaron moved moved to LA from Florida, and uh, I th- I'd have to look at it again. I think they mentioned Jane's addiction in it, but really, um, yeah. It, but to your point about <laughs> I love you is not the best band name if you ever want to be found on Google. No, this this goes under our list of bands names you want to avoid in the future. Which actually, if it's funny, if you go to allmusic.com, there is another band called I Love You. Mm. And they released two albums in the late 2000s. So, and they knew Google existed and they still named their band I Love You. So, they have no excuse for that. Dumas. Yeah. So, all right, Jay, let's, let's talk about our rating for this record. Because I think we're both a little confused, a little bewildered. Um, we're the album, Better EP. Decent single. Where are you at? Hmm. I think I'm gonna go with a single. Sorry to say. Um. It's just some of these. You know, there, there's a there's a a lot of pieces and parts of these songs that I like, but you know, there's almost none that I really enjoy the whole way through. Um. Like she's the one. I, I kind of dig that because they slow down and they get into a cool kind of just cool groove and mm-hmm. kind of gets less manic unfortunately it's an eight minute song and halfway through it they just go into a funk jam so yeah <laughs> you know but i guess if yeah. i was gonna pull a song it'd probably like be like you know that one would be the one that i would uh, listen to kind of flame lights a day it's cool to burn burn
I'm also at a single, and I would be, a, I'd have an A side and a B side. I'd do hang straight up as my A side, and I'd do two as my B side. Okay. I think that works. So, well, we need to thank uh, Peter Hirsch for bringing this to us. Um, yeah. So, we want to hear some feedback on this record because we were a little, we were confounded, quite frankly. We, were, we weren't sure what was going on, and we'd like to hear some thoughts from people what they think is going on with this record so it'll give us a, a better idea and I, I maybe this is the the uh, the first record that they were finding themselves and they really nailed it on the second record who knows if anybody I don't have the second record I actually had this record you know, thanks to I think uh, uh, the uh, shell and over at the I hate the 90s blog posted this a while ago and I downloaded it just by chance and had it so I haven't seen the first one up or the second one up anywhere. If you do, point it in our direction because I'd, I'd give it a listen at least once just to see what the hell's going on. But uh, if you'd like to suggest an album like Peter did, head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com, request a review page. And of course, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us some uh, some feedback over at iTunes. So uh, for Jay, I am the one they call Tim. And uh, we're going to go back to watching Game of Thrones and we will see you guys next week on another episode of Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages.